Hello and welcome to the PK Soccer Youth Coaching Podcast with me, Paul Kelshaw. During this time, I will be discussing many topics surrounding the youth game and what people like myself are doing to improve the standards of coaching, player development, spectator understanding and personal growth, especially here in the US. I'll be giving my opinion as well as talking to friends, colleagues, past and present, who have had a positive impact on my own personal coaching development but whom I also believe are having a positive impact in the game today. Today I am joined by Ricky Powers. Ricky is one of the head coaches for the Chattanooga FC Academy in Tennessee. Ricky holds a USSFC license and has coached in several states, including Colorado, Ohio, and Tennessee. In today's episode, we talk about Ricky's first introduction into coaching and his move to the US. We also talk about how he turned a hobby into a career change and some of the big moves he has made in the US to further his coaching career. Hi, Ricky. Thank you for joining me this evening. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. First, you give us an introduction of how you first got into coaching. I started coaching... um... It was just a way, really. I stopped playing when I was about 22, and I had a couple of years away from the game, and and I started coaching when I was about 24, really, just to um, it was just a way to get back involved in the game. I did my level two, and I just started one of, started coaching one of my local teams, Russell Olympic, and like I say, it was just I, I just I just missed the game, but I didn't want to play it, so it was just a way to get get back involved with it. That's why I started coaching, really. <clears throat> so then. You did your level two off your own bat. Was that at a college? No, I did that. I did my level one when I was like 18 initially because the club that I was playing for at the time was like a, it was what what was called like a charter standard club. And they got some like, they got a couple of like free entries onto a course. And I was one of one of them who sort of took them up on the offer. But I, I, did, I just didn't do any coaching from that afterwards. I don't know. I, I just did it. As, as a thing to do, but I didn't do any coaching. But then I did my level two when I was 24 off my own back. And uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't even, before when I did my level two, I hadn't, I hadn't even done any coaching. It was just, I just tried to sort of chuck myself in the deep end, so to speak. I think that was probably similar to me. I think when I did my level two in England, when I was at university, I was just still, still playing. Yeah. Um, any coaching you'd done, it was... You'd coach your peers within the the college that I went to before I went to university, but nothing, yeah, nothing major. But and then, so when, so after you did get your level two, you then started coaching a junior team, like you said, a charter standard team. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. So, so the way my level two, the way the level two worked was, you did like two meetings. So I did my, the meeting one, and then you did have to find a team in between meeting uh, two, and you had to do like I can't remember exactly, but I think it was like ten hours of coaching, and you had to get the manager to sign it and log it and all that kind of stuff, and then you had to go to meeting two. So I did that with the group of U twelves, um, and then but once I once I then finished my level two, I joined a, a group of U sixteens at Russell Olympic, which. I'm actually very fortunate to 
to coach them because Russell Olympia, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, they're like a semi-pro team in England, like a couple of steps below like Conference North. And I was coaching their group of U16s with a, with a, the man's name was Chris Allen. And he was a very, a very forward thinking coach. And I was very fortunate to have him as like, I would consider him as like my first kind of mentor, so to speak. And I, I learned a lot from him. That was good. So that was just really someone that you, you needed those hours for assessment. Someone you just reached out to. It was actually my ex, um, my ex manager, like coach, but in England we used to call them managers, don't we? Yeah, yeah my ex manager, who was my, my friend's dad, who coached me when I was a like a grassroots kid. I went and spoke to him, and I was like, "Do you know anyone who um, I could do some hours for my level two? And he he put me in touch with this chap, and I did some hours with his team, and then that's when when I did my level two. That's when I reached out to Rush All Olympic and got involved with them. So while you were coaching those boys were you working full-time as well yeah i was working for uh i was working in like uh i was working for a car dealership i was working in like uh they called it like the parts department so like a car dealership you'll have like the sales area and then you'll have like the mechanics like the actual like service area and then you'll also have like an area what they call like a parts department and i was working in there at the moment a living or get your foot in the door coaching yeah. football in England. England. So that's what I'm saying. So you do need to, um, and then I hear stories of, of coaches all around the world where you, you have to maybe pick up a, an actual paying job before, you know, to be able to do your, to do your passion. Yeah. I never, I suppose at that point it wasn't a, I suppose it was a passion, but I didn't have in, like, I wouldn't, I didn't have intentions of, Doing at that point, it was more of just a way of staying within the game. And then what happened? I eventually, well, my my friend's cousin, who I used to play with when I was younger as well, I found out that he was coaching with Challenger Sports. You know, Challenger. Yeah, yes, I know Challenger. Yeah. yeah. And I, and he was he he actually lives in Texas at the moment, and he was he was living and coaching over here with Challenger Sports, and I was like, oh, that sounds like I won't mind that. Do you know what I mean? Because I've always wanted to come to America and travel to America. And I was like, I'm actually starting to enjoy this coaching stuff at the moment. I wouldn't mind traveling to America. I was like 23, 24. And then I reached out to him and I was like, what, what's what's all this challenge of sports? And he told me and I registered online and went to like an open weekend and an interview at Warwick University. And then that's how I ended up over here then. Well, that's interesting because I... I spoke to um, a man named Callum Booth last week, and he yeah. was a he was a, a challenger coach. I've spoken to a, a number of people that have worked for similar. I've worked for a similar organization called MLS Camps and Noga. So it's um, really find that those those kind of companies like Challenger give a lot of good coaches. Yeah. Their first foot in the door and their first exposure to to all different levels of the game. So, when you joined Challenger, where were you first assigned to? I was uh, I was in the call it the Denver region, and that consisted of Colorado, Utah, and New Mexico. And I, my first week, I flew into 
I flew into Denver Airport on the Saturday. It was June the first, and on the Sunday I was I was driving uh, like seven or eight hours to a place called Logan in U- northern Utah, and then I spent about three, and then I and then I stayed within that kind of region of America. So the majority of coaches that I spoke to, including myself, would join a company like similar to Challenger for university advertise. You know, they'd see. You'd see the poster on the advertising board outside the library. Um, but it wasn't that, we wouldn't have thought it was really that common that many people would come from yeah. full-time employment to do it. Um, no, and then, yeah. even though you were young, I was uh, old. 23, 24 <laughs> yeah. is relatively mature age to be, to be started doing it. So it, it, yeah, You're definitely right. And, and I was definitely one of the older ones the way it generally works is there's a, there's a couple of people who are a bit older than me who've been doing it for like forever and a day but i was definitely one of the older ones and i someone even said that to me like how does it feel being like a relatively like old compared to all these 18 19 year olds and i was definitely definitely at a different sort of stage and a different different like i approach it a different way than the norm yeah. i would say because I didn't go to university as well. I just got like a normal, I got a full-time job when I was 16. So I didn't go like the normal kind of route. Yeah, adapt to that kind of lifestyle. Uh, I saw, well, you you expect it, first of all. They're very clear of how it's going to work. So you expect it. But it's just, uh, it's just part of it. And every, it, you do have to be a, like adaptable because every week is almost like every week is different as well because one day you might one week you might be on like a a camp with just you and someone else the next day the next week you'll be on a camp with like eight nine other coaches like a couple of hundred kids one one week you might have to stay in a house with another coach the next week you'll be in a house on your own with the family so it's just part of it and you just have to it's 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 just the way to see the country. I'm very appreciative, and you just yeah, you just have to get on with it. I mean, it was it was enjoyable as well. So yeah, the the reason I ask is because that um, that kind of lifestyle kind of seems to suit more the student. Is somewhat more used to that, um, and also most of, with the most of them being students, not really making too much money, not coming yeah. from having like. Um, a salaried job or so it was what were some of the um some of your most enjoyable things from working for challenger just just seeing the different being able to work in like each week you go to a different town so being able to see different parts of the country was the main thing being able to like i always think like like when you come on when you come on holiday to America just as normal tourist, you don't really experience the culture that much because you're just a tourist and you do all the touristy things. But where like within Challenger Sports, you actually live with people who are like many different types of people. So you I felt like it was more of like a, a real sort of you got really embedded within the culture. So that was good. And, and and the ability to, from like a coaching perspective, just working with like you're coaching every day for three to six hours a day, so the experience was invaluable. 
So those are the main sort of perks that I think. And so for how long did you work for Challenger? So I worked, my first year was 2013. I worked for them for the summer. I was in Utah and Denver. And then at the end of the summer, which was like, well, yeah, about mid-August, I went to then, had the opportunity, and this is where my age probably helped me, <laughs> being a, like a, a more mature. Um, but, yeah, so they had an opportunity to go and work then in the fall season in Cincinnati, Ohio, Cincinnati. And I was like one of a few people. It was like, I'll put my name forward for that. I did not want to go home. A lot of these 18 and 19-year-olds had to go home because they had to then go to their year of university. Yeah. So I was one of few who were like, I don't want to go home. So I'm putting my hand up for that. And then eventually I got the, I spoke to their regional director in um, uh, Cincinnati region. And he did actually say that one of the reasons they did hire me was because I was a bit whole, older and they thought that I would then be a bit more reliable. So I went, I went to work in, which makes sense. I went to work in uh, Cincinnati for the fall. That was 2013, left like start of November. And then I went to then work for Challenger Sports for the next two years in the spring, summer and fall season. And that, then I was based up in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Right, so you did get to... to- travel around then yeah then quite a bit so yeah. then what what then made you go back to colorado uh, that was so my well so my wife as well she's from cincinnati i i met her whilst i was in cincinnati and she's she's lived in ohio all her life she was born in cincinnati she went to ohio state which is in columbus and then once we got married lived there for a couple of years in cincinnati and we just wanted to move somewhere different outside of Ohio. And we had several cities on, on our list. And Colorado, Denver was the one we picked because of the outdoors. We just wanted to try and move west a little bit and just decided to give it a shot. So when you so when you did that move, how how easy or hard was it to find a, a new club? Did was, you have like a job lined up or I didn't I didn't have a job lined up. Um I had a club lined up to coach at. I didn't have like a full-time job. I had a club lined up to coach at. I actually, so we went there about six months before we moved out in the winter to check it out. We actually bought a house as well. And um, I got in touch with a coach and did like a, a guest session. And then I ended up coaching for FC Boulder. And I was just coaching, I was coaching three teams there. So I was like, and then I left. I left that. I left FC Boulder to join another club called Treble SC, and that's where I eventually I did get a full time job then as like the director of like U nine to U fourteen boys. So what was entailed? What was kind of some of your responsibilities then with that job? That seems like a, a big step from doing a couple of teams or a few yeah. teams to then being a full director of of those age groups. It was just like there was a lot of just. Like a lot of administrative stuff, like all that kind of stuff. Um, tryouts, just making sure I'm trying to walk around and see coaches, watch games, trying to help the coaches as much as possible. Just the normal stuff, all the administrative, so any com- like coach, all that kind of stuff. So, is this really when you you were really 
was there a plan set forward that you had to some like a boss that you had to answer to or you really just coming up with the way that you wanted or you felt that the way that you should direct a club um not really i, I don't i didn't have i don't think i was given no i didn't have that much autonomy to be quite honest um but there was like so there was a there was a U9 to U14 girls director. There was a U9 to U14 boys director, which was me. And then there was a director of coaching who oversee oversaw us. So I was um, I was answering to him basically, and he was in he was in charge of more so the direction of the club from from that. So more of like trying to create the culture of the club. Yeah. So it seems then it's quite a lot of directors then. It's kind of seems. Like it was quite a big club. Uh, it wasn't that big. Um, there was about 600. Well, I suppose it depends how you consider a big club. But there was about 600 kids. So are those directors really replacing volunteers? Um, no. I suppose I, I suppose a lot of like the administrative stuff could could have been done by volunteers, I guess. So replacing them in that regard. But we still had coaches. We still had, had to have coaches. We had... Um, Depending on the age group, some some age groups we just had no. Actually, we had two teams at least in an age group. Some team, some age groups we had um, f- like four or five teams, oh. especially at the younger ones. It, it, it sort of it got it got less as they got older because we were we were a relatively small club and we had some clubs, neighbouring clubs like Broom. There's a club called Broomfield. There's a club called FC Boulder, which we'll talk about in a bit. Who the, the teams, who the players who were a bit better and wanted a bit more, they tended to um, go off to them. And I think the club, the club that I was at, Treble FC, it was going through a, a bit of a. How can I describe it? Like, not a, like a bit of a, a crisis in in what it tried to stand for. And the reason I say that is because, like in in the in the community that I was that we were in, there was a lot of Latinos. And, and Treble SC was traditionally a small community club. And it, it tried to cater to those type of people who maybe can't afford to play. We, we used to give out a lot of scholarships. It was a real, it intended to be a real community club. Yeah. But when I was there, the leadership was then trying to change the mentality to more of like your traditional select. A lot of clubs that have identity crisis yeah. that um, try to be something they're not or want to be something that it's just not yeah. really, they don't have the demographic to, to do it. Yeah. Um, so I could understand, you know, clubs, you know, wanting to change. We've then not, um, we've really only having formal education from like secondary school, like high school. You always like from because I know you through Twitter and you're always writing stuff down and coming up with with ideas and and looking to think of imaginative ways. Like what what really inspired you to to want to be like a, a creative coach and and use like the modern modern methods. It seems like you're always looking at, at different ways to engage with mm-hmm. with the kids and looking for new exciting ways that's a good question I, I think it all 
I think I'm just that type of person, first of all, and that's one of the that's one of the things that you can. I think I love about coaching is like you never. I suppose this goes for anything, but I think really coaching and like dealing with kids, you're never gonna master it. Do you know what I mean? Even if you're never gonna master it, so you and it's and you're always gonna try and think of try and. Ref, I've always been like a bit of a a reflective person. I, I'm 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 a bit of a well. My mom used to say I was like a bit of an overthinker, and I definitely now I'm older, I can sort of see what she says. So I always tend to think about things a bit too much sometimes. So I'm always in that frame of mind, and then that coupled with the fact that I just love coaching and I love soccer and I love and I love thinking about how to coach. Like to me, like I'll. I, I've got to a point now where I don't less. I like the game of soccer, but I, I almost like or lo, like to think about how to coach it more than the actual game. So I'm always I'm always thinking about like how how I can maybe make the environment better for the kids that that we're in. How can I get my messages across a bit better? So I think that's just like a natural sort of tendency of mine. But um, it all. It all. St- have you ever done the youth award modules? I was. I have not. I when I did FA level two, I yeah. came to the US two thousand and four, and I don't believe that uh, no, those I modules were in place at that time. I think they. Were, I think they started in like two thousand and nine, but I, I did my when I did my level two. I found out about the youth award modules. And they are by far the best course that I've ever done in my life. Like, and they really set me on the path of really trying to think about it. Like, the, the Youth Award modules are split into like one, two, and three. Number one is creating the environment. Number two is creating uh, the practice, and then number three is um, like developing the individual. And the courses are just so good, and, and and there's so many like avenues that you can then go down and dig into some real rabbit holes. So they really got me started as well, because the the course tutors and the course itself were absolutely fantastic. It's not like a traditional level two where you tick a few boxes. Okay, he's do, 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 he's passed the course. It was more of like helping you try and explore. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm sure I've. I'm sure I've seen you share some of the um, oh, the booklets or yeah. works that you had from from doing those modules, or that you've um, you've dug it out and looked through it again just yeah, yeah. to like um, like recap on some of those ideas. So that's well, that's good then that it gave you that idea, and it, I'm you know, and it's also I like to know then of that the. Um, I would, unlike I would expect that the FA modules have have changed over the years, but the fact that you're able to to go back to that information and that's you know although they would have preferred um, for you to be be coaching in England at least then that you know you put in you know it, that practice to use. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I do. I, I do like. I know England sometimes gets a lot of stick, but I do like what the FA are doing. And and I think it all changed since I left. I think they, they merged the the youth award modules into the level two and stuff. But I do. I, I can I can see them right now. I'm pointing at them right now. They're in my bookcase next to my desk. And I do. 
not very often, probably not as often as I should, but like I say, sometimes I get the, doc, the, the resources out and, and you're like, man, this is, this is gold. So are there any other, any other educational information that you kind of like take inspiration from? Um, I think that's where, in terms of formal education, that was the best thing I've ever done. That was the best course I've ever done, without a doubt. But I think that's where that's where Twitter is so good because you can you can you can go down so many rabbit holes. So there's like I can't think of any formal courses. The the C license was a good one. Have you done the C license? Yes, I did C license yeah. like 2015, 16. But then okay. just before it it Check. changed into like the. Uh, the yeah. three separate meetings. Okay, that may, yeah. So the C license was a, was a good course, and USSF they t- they do get some stick, but the C license was a great course that I went on as well. But I think I did I did my grassroots nine v nine. I didn't have to do my grassroots to do my C license because I had already got my D license yeah. before the new grassroots come out. But but the club that I was working at in Colorado Treble. Um, because I was a full-time employee there, we got the opportunity to go and um, sit on one of like a demo courses that the state was running when they first introduced it. So I went and sat on like a, a 9v, well, so I was a participant basically in a 9v9 course where uh, the, the model is the play, practice, play model. Yeah. Well, I, had, I... Yeah, go on. Sorry, I just um, hosted my first... USSF coaching course I had uh, on my home field this past weekend had group of coaches taking the 9v9 grassroots yeah. goals and they were they um one of the men that man that was um I don't know if it was necessarily being assessed but he was he was presenting his session and I think it was being critiqued by by the coach yeah, they started off playing two v twos. They their small sided game straight into to two v twos and multiple two v twos, like getting getting kids playing a very easy setup, just yeah. uh, use cones for goals and everyone yep, straight into into playing. So that's um that's good then as well that you're um and again not necessarily typical of, of someone that hadn't been to university from like the age of 18 onwards so from there then you you were still coaching when you were directing yeah yeah and then you had mentioned about boulder creek you wanted was there something that you wanted to mention about them or i was gonna what i was gonna say like fc boulder this is where we talk about when i'm going back to the the club the treble that I was that, that I was at was going through a bit of a the community that they're in like a bit of a what club do we want to kind of be eventually the treble merged with FC Boulder and then I went to work for FC Boulder full time uh-huh. so that's we merged because Bolt you got Bo- the city of Boulder and then we were in like a, a suburb probably about 10, 10 miles out probably a bit less eight to ten miles we were in a community called Lafayette Louisville. And we ended up merging with FC Boulder, and then I went to then work. I, I then I then went and I was my title was the assistant 
juniors director and the juniors was um u9 and u10 and you mentioned we had like th that club was massive you had met directors of everything right so and i know you just recently posted posted something about um mergers in northern california so yeah. you were oh, you were no. then you felt like then that the um and you were talking about clubs having their identity. You felt like you kind of lost lost your identity then. Yeah. So so well, this is a so obviously your views change over time and depending on your experiences. But at the time, I thought it was a good thing because maybe I was just a bit more in. I was a bit less experienced. So at the time, I thought, you know what, this is going to be a, a good thing for the kids. But then since, but then actually being within it. And then leaving that club, I don't, I, I, I don't agree with the, the clubs should get, like, I don't agree with the big box clubs. They're getting, they're getting to a point where they're just so big that they're just, like, engulf, like, a, a certain environment. But that's just my, at the time, I thought, you know what, this is going to be a good thing. Because it, that's what it was sort of put across as by the leadership. And I didn't really know enough to really be critical of it at that point. But my views have changed since then. So then, again, a lot of the coaches that I've talked to, and one of the reasons that I would wanted to to talk to you this evening was coaches that have had like big moves. And you'd already mentioned then about moving from Ohio to Colorado and just really just basically picking a city on a map or picking a state on a map where you thought that you um, could have like a, a good life. What was then the reason to your recent move to Chattanooga, Tennessee? So we we just wanted to move a bit closer to Cincinnati. So my, my family, my wife's family. So we wanted to move somewhere within at least driving distance. It's about five and a half hours from Chattanooga. So um, we also wanted to, a lot of it was just non-soccer related reasons. Uh, we wanted to move to a city that's good outdoors kind of scene and Chattanooga definitely is that a lot of climbing a lot of uh, outdoors kind of stuff um, and we also my brother-in-law lives here as well so that was also brother-in-law and his wife live here and they've lived here for like seven years and we've visited Chattanooga in the past as well so we were like you know what so when I saw online that you had you had made that move I was um, somewhat aware of Chattanooga because with following the New York Cosmos, like pre-COVID. So that was like um, a relatively well-known big club. How did you first get a position with that club? I, I, well, as soon as I knew I was moving to, we were moving to Chattanooga. Um, that was like about four or five, well, about six months before we actually left. I just emailed them. I just sent an email to the director of coaching off the website and says, like, I'm moving. Here's my qualifications. Here's my resume experience. I'd love to just get involved as much as I can when I'm out there. And I had a phone call with him. He rang me, like, within, like, a, a couple of days, basically. I had a chat. And there you go. And I ended up coaching a couple of teams once I got out here. As soon as I got out here, I rang him. I was like, Steve, I'm in Chattanooga now. And he was like, do you want to come, come out to practices next week? And... There you go. That's um, 
Well, that's really good to hear because they've uh, a number of the coaches I spoke to. It's like, don't be afraid to ask. You know, yeah. send an email to someone. Um, it's it's not always the case that you send one email and get one response. There are, are times where you might have to send several, even yeah. hundreds, to get to get the response. So that is um, good. It's in fact had um, a friend that I interviewed on the podcast who also actually moved to to Tennessee. Uh, because of his wife's family and again an email write an email got to come and coach yep got a position and he actually just got appointed a, he got a you know a, a more senior position like a, a direct position recently yeah. um off the bat of just helping out with one team so yeah. it is it is reassuring to anyone that might be listening or to future coaches that don't be afraid to to send them an email and ask. I know that even with my club, we're always looking for potentially a new coach for next season. So there are, I'm sure there are as many clubs like mine and yours where we are look, looking for, you know, for, for coaches that, that want to coach or people that, that, that move to the area that want to get involved with a club and, you know, and help improve like children's playing. So that's good that you got those positions and, how did they, those teams and, and the Chattanooga Soccer Club, how did that compare to the soccer you'd been exposed to previously in the US? Well, I think the club as a whole, it's it's been my one of my favourite favorite experiences. Is, and that's just because I think the, the culture of Chattanooga itself fits into what the club is about in terms of it's a it's a it's a small city. It's got like that's one of the reasons we moved here was it's a it's got everything that you need, but it's like a it's like a it's 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 a relative it's like it's like it's 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 a it's a city but it's got a real small town vibe feel about it, and that's um, that's what the club feels like to me. All the coaches know each other. Now that sounds simple, but like when for, when I was at FC Boulder, and this is one of my contentions with clubs getting so big. Is clubs can become so splintered, and every like coaches don't know each other. People are on different pages. Whereas this club, it seems like everyone is here for the right reasons for the kids, and everyone knows each other. And there's a real small feeling about it. So that's one of the that that's one of the the main reasons that I do enjoy coaching at Chattanooga. That's what I like about it, Chattanooga FC. Yeah, because you'd even mentioned when we were talking off air about how. You'd run like a clinic or like sessions where the first team players got involved. So it does seem then that you know somewhat of a, of a family club then and close knit. Oh yeah. Right. So that's. Um, so we have that? like, so two of the teams have are coached by a couple of the first team players, Juan Hernandez and uh, Cameron Woodfin. They play for the first team. Cameron coaches a group of U uh, ten boys. One coaches a group of 2006 girls. Some of the other, like I say, some of the other players, the first team pro players, they carry out their club age group practices. I've even seen, I've even seen Pete Fuller, who is the 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 manager, the head coach of the men's team. I've I've, I've even seen him carrying out sessions with teams. So there's definitely, and the club is definitely trying to really be about that community and try and create a link from top to bottom. 
and I know you had, you had mentioned uh, there about how you wanted to move to all these to these different cities based on how it would suit your lifestyle. And I know that you've been like big into rescuing dogs and, and <laughs> rock climbing. So like just um, I suppose with the dogs, like not just I guess that's just like your caring caring personality as well. Just like not wanting just to yeah, you're just really just wanting to help help people. I think so. That's just my, my wife and I, we both love dogs. We've got three dogs and our neighbourhood, oh, sometimes it's a nightmare. Though. Dogs are like roaming the streets. Like, I don't know why, but like fences are left open. And whenever we see a dog, we can't just drive past it. We have to try and get it in the back of the car. <laughs> and then with, um, I know just from, from seeing on social media that you're, you're big into to rock climbing. Yeah. Does, is that really just like a way to sometimes escape some of the stresses of of coaching youth soccer? Yeah, I think so. It definitely is because it's it's just a it, it it's just a way for me to it's something to focus on away from soccer because I think once like clock, rock climbing can it can get pretty dangerous. So once you are actually climbing, you have to really be like focused on what you're doing. So it it just gives me. It's it it it's I'm not like I, I like to stay fit, but I'm not one of these who likes to get on a treadmill or get to the normal gym. So it's 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 a way for me to stay in shape in terms of a, in, in a fun environment. But it does also allow you to take your mind off it as well. Is this something that your players are aware of that you do? What uh, climbing? Yeah. 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 Actually, um, <laughs> so actually, yeah, and I actually see uh, one of my players, Owen. And his dad, they get to the same gym as me. I see him in there all the time. So that's, that must some of, be... that's something for me to engage with him about as well at practice. Yeah, I just do sometimes think like it does. Like if if players on your team see you out in the community doing something yeah. helpful, or, or even if it was simple thing like going for a jog, or yeah. they see they. I think they relate to that, and I think the parents love it as well. They're like, oh, he's, um, you know, he, he's like trying to look after himself. He's got, you know, he's trying to stay physically yeah. active. This is someone that we we're glad that our our son or our daughter is around, and someone who's like trying to help them. Um, and then I know you just you had mentioned as well that you you've gone back to school. Yeah, you would. You tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so. At the moment, I'll, I'll, I'm, my intention is to go back to school to do like a physical therapy course. But, well, I did. I, I know I said I didn't go to university when I was 18, but I did go back to the open university when I was like 26. And I did get a degree with the open university, which is just like sports development and coaching or whatever. But anyway, like, I'm, I'm, but now I'm, I'm doing like a physical therapy course, but I, I'm just in the process of doing all the general, general education courses at the moment. Yeah. Because none of the courses in England, which is a bit of frustrating for me, really, none of them transfer over. So I've got to start from the beginning. Yeah, but um, you've never. It seems like you've not never really been afraid to to try something new, like going yeah. from full time working it for a, a car dealership to to coaching in the US to then, you know, not being afraid to move or, you know, continue yeah. education. I don't think anyone should ever be be ashamed or, or, 
or em- embarrassed for trying to learn something new oh, no. um, and try new things. So that is a, you know, a, a good thing. And really think is another, you know, with only really knowing you from speaking to you now and from what I see on social media, just uh, another part of your personality that, that helps with your coaching. Ricky, this has been, yeah. it's been excellent, you know, learning a little bit more about you and a little bit more of insight into your coaching in the US. And um, hopefully we could do this another time soon. Okay, appreciate it, Paul. Thank you very much. It was my first time talking to Ricky, but I've been a follower of his work via Twitter for many years. I give anyone who makes a career change a lot of credit, especially if it involves moving countries. Ricky is another example of how a big move, either by state or country, is needed to further your coaching career. I can tell from talking to Ricky that he is a caring person and is always striving for better ways to help player development and improve players overall. Now Ricky is established youth coach, I also admire his decision to go back to school to gain qualifications in physical therapy. Another tool he can use to coincide with his soccer training and player development. It's also important that we work in a positive, enjoyable, enjoyable environment and that coaches must make time for other interests to relieve stress and to clear our heads. Ricky's use of rock climbing, love of dogs and the outdoors is a perfect example of this. Thank you for listening to the PK Soccer Podcast. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Kelshaw, Instagram at Paul Kelshaw, like my Facebook page at PK Soccer Inc. or send an email paulkelshaw at pksoccer.org. I would also be grateful if you could give the podcast a review and a rating and share with your fellow coaches and friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.